Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to episode five of Real Talk, the materials podcast with me, Anna Pajajski. In this episode, I interview Darren Ellis about clay, Darren is a potter, and a technician at the UCL Institute of Making. I started by asking Darren how it was that he ended up using clay for a living. Yeah, I, I did uh, I did not very well at school and got into um, basically making, um, followed through to do a foundation course, and that got me introduced to ceramics. Cool. Um, then my tutor pushed me to go to university where I'd learn more about process than the outside. Um, and then from there, when I finished university, I went on to do an apprenticeship with um, a potter called Lisa Hammond, who's just got her MBE this year. Cool. I'll throw that in for her. And uh, yeah, I spent three years with her and then I worked for a year after for her and then I started my own practice. And then since then, I've been also working at the, the UCL uh, Institute of Making. Mm-hmm. Which is an incredible make space slash materials department slash events yeah. place. Yeah. yeah, it's um kind of a dream job for somebody like me. Okay. Um, yeah, um, and at the Institute of Making, you teach people like me who are terrible at everything um, <laughs> how to throw clay onto a potter's wheel. And True, but then there's also quite the opposite because you do get people coming in, you know, well, the Institute of Making, it's, you know, it's, mixed media it's anything um and from all levels to any form of engineering art form and it doesn't really matter um so what's really nice about it is you do go in there and yeah you have somebody who's trying to learn how to throw a particular thing and you can spend a lot of time with them and that's that's brilliant but then you kind of get a bit selfish because people come in and they are amazing at things you've never seen before okay and you're supposed to be helping them but they know Ten times what you know, <laughs> so you're just like you just kind of keep nodding. Yes, that's right. Yes, and then you just steal all that information. <laughs> it, it, it's good. You kind of learn as well as, um, as you know, as, as as much as you can teach. You probably learn. Amazing. You probably learn more actually than yeah. what you can pass on. Amazing. So we're here today. I saw. Well, yeah. I called the podcast episode Clay, but then we've just been discussing the fact that that's perhaps not necessarily going to encompass everything that is to do with what you do, but also. Clay encompasses far more than just potting. Yeah, well, we we can. I mean, you you kind of threw in the email whether to word it clay or ceramic, right? Or ceramics. Yeah. Um, but ceramics is is is, is basically a derived, you know, word from from the Greek language meaning pottery anyway. Mm-hmm. And um, 
as I was saying, for me, I just feel it's ceramic is is or ceramics is a, is a finished object, um, whatever field it's in, whether it's you know studio pottery to parts for labs or spaceships or Formula One cars or whatever. Mm -hmm. it's, it's an end product, um, whereas clay is. is it's it's a different material really yeah um, so i think clay's a good choice yeah okay cool that's it yeah it's interesting because yeah to me ceramic from a scientific perspective is sort of a whole class of materials so yeah. they can be relatively um high tech like boron nitride that would be ceramic or concrete even as mm. a ceramic but it's interesting that we have sort of different um yeah. definitions of what it is well, well i think that's quite like, that's another thing i quite like you know being here at the ucl is I've come from a background of, of clay and my aims are to make it blue or pink or shiny or, you know, and it's all it, like it's always been an art form. But and having like a basic understanding of the of the chemistry of it uh, um, to achieve like an aesthetic finish. Mm. And then it's great when meeting people like yourself where you've gone total opposite route, You're probably using very similar, if not the same materials in most cases. Yeah. And you do things that make the world better. <laughs> That's what we like to tell people. <laughs> Maybe we should... What is Claire? Yeah, exactly. Maybe we should rewind a little bit um, and sort of define exactly what it is we're talking about today. Okay. So broadly, <laughs> the question is, what is clay, I guess? Yeah. Um, so without getting too boring... Um, it's not boring at all. It's not boring. I can okay. always delete it if it's boring. <laughs> <laughs> what is clay? Blank. <laughs> Um, right, so basically what clay is, um, it, it's decomposed or, or weathered um, rocks, if you like. Okay. So um, feldspar, granite, mm -hmm. you know, things like that. Um, it, yeah, it all it all really derives from the minerals from, from groups of feldspars. Um, you know, we talk about what is clay, but then we need to talk about how it works, really. And basically, like, clay is tiny little flat particles so you kind of think of like two little discs really um and then by the water um you know clay is like always like holding a lot of water when it's um when it's still in a usable state and and what happens is those little discs because they're it's a bit like if you dig and you find shillet underground so it's lots of tiny little bits of rock or mm -hmm. it's like that but on a very very small scale and and that water in between helps them slide over each other so when you bend clay that's workable they slide apart mm -hmm. rather than just like breaking off. And then to kind of manipulate the way um, you would use clay or I want to use clay, that's when you'd start to add grog. Um, so grog. Sounds is delicious. <laughs> beautiful. <laughs> Crunchy. Um, yeah, you'd use, um, you could use sand or you could use already fired um, ceramics and then ground back down to use as a grog. And they will. Um, they change the qualities of the clay. Mm. So with a lot more sand content, it will hold water for longer. So that can be quite good for, say, hand building, um, working, things like that. So when you're firing, what you're doing is you're presumably driving off the water. Yeah. Uh, are there then sort of chemical reactions happening within there as well? Yeah. When you've got a piece of finished work and it's totally dried out and you put it in a kiln, you can't just go like not to a thousand as quick as you want because uh, there's a lot of things happening in that in that period. So... <laughs> around 300 degrees basically you're still driving out moisture even when it's dry so you've got chemical moisture present in that clay and if you go too fast up to say three four five hundred um 
that chemical moisture becomes moisture, becomes steam, and then steam is very powerful. So you tend to find things just explode. Mm. So really thick pieces of clay would have to be fired very slowly over a long period of time. Um, and then at particular points, you get quartz inversion. Um, so that's when you're kind of turning into ceramic. Okay. And then it does happen on the way back down as well. But it's on the way up that we kind of focus on kiln firings. Um, and it's just that after quartz inversion, it's no longer clay. You could, you wouldn't be able to like kind of break it down, use it as a clay again. Okay. You'd have to use it. It would be ceramic then, even if it's quite weak and underfired. Mm -hmm. um, that's what it is. Cool. It se clay seems to me like probably one of the oldest man-made materials. We've been talking a bit about sort of the recent history of clays. It strikes me that clay is probably one of the oldest man-made materials that we've ever been working with. Do you know much about sort of when the first clay artefacts were found? Yeah, um, I think it was a recent discovery, and maybe well, it's definitely within the last decade that they they basically found um, like a, a clay tablet, really. With, okay, um, an, iPad. Know, an iPad, an <laughs> iPad, <laughs> 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 That's a clay tablet. Um, we basically. Um, you can see all the finger marks where you can see the passcode. No, they've been <laughs> they've been trying to um, they basically used it to to document yeah. um, what, whatever it says on there, and that that's um, that was found in southern China. And okay, I believe it dates back twenty thousand years, which wow kind of pre exists. That's kind of Stone Age stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, um, that's cool. I'm not hundred percent sure though. If I, th I I think that's not only what they found. I think they did find like you know actual pots oh right i don't i generally don't understand how you can find something other than its style yeah and say this is how old it is but that's that's a that's a lab thing i'm guessing oh uh, yeah they do like carbon dating and stuff ah that's it um, yeah but i guess you can only do that if there's carbon in the material there must be yeah there's yeah yeah, ca there's yeah carbon. carbon's a big element in right the, in okay Claire. um yeah so that's yeah that's um that's really old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, the thing that's always kind of drawn me as well which, um, is when you when you kind of go and visit places, museums or things yeah. like that, and they've got these like fantastic collection of pots. And there is that kind of classic archaeological look of it, of like, um, you know, this is what we, we can find these pots, and those pots will then tell us what food they processed, mm -hmm. what food they stored, you know, so you know if it was long, hard winters because they, you know, they they'd have large vessels for like pickling foods and things like cool. that but um that, i always found that quite interesting but like recently i went and did um a workshop at the institute of archaeology but there's a guy there who he was running um part of his course and he asked me to go over and it was just demonstrating practice um so cool. i did a little bit of throwing a bit of hand building a bit of coiling but all these kind of things and and they were looking at it from a different perspective where instead of looking at what foods they were using, they were seeing how advanced the pottery was because mm. then that would show you what tools they used okay. and what processes they developed mm -hmm. and learned, um, which has, I sometimes find it a little bit more interesting because you can see how advanced the civilization was through that. Yeah. You know, um, rather than, oh, they ate cabbage. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously it's very important. I'm not dismissing it. But I just, for yeah. me, I just thought, yeah, oh, yeah. Like, that's really cool, like, you know, to, yeah. s to see how they did these kinds So of what things. kind of tools then would they have needed? Um, well, the, uh, the, you know, the, the wheel was um, invented around between 6,000 and 4,000 BC. Wow, okay. But if you go, you know, previous to that, you've... Um, I think it's just a way of like w figuring out the material and working mm. with it. Um, it I, I kind of when you, if you were to go out now and you 
dig out some clay out the back of your garden, mm. um, clean it, process it, all that kind of thing, and get ready to use it, you'd find that the clay is incredibly short. That's like the terminology for it. So if you were to get a, roll it out into a little sausage, bend it, if the clay was plastic enough, it would just bend. Mm-hmm. If the clay's short, it would just snap. Okay. Uh, or you'd see like a break in it, basically, right. very quickly. Um, you can squidge it all back together, but then you've still got that problem. But it makes it really difficult to work with, like somewhat impossible, mm-hmm. really. Um, so when you are creating clay to work with, there's lots of things you can do to make it more plastic. So you can add certain types of like Epsom salts, you can add bentonite. You, but it's all more materials you have to find and understand how to do it. Okay. So the other part with... Um, with with clay is, is is time so to make to, to have a clay then that you can work with um you you basically need it to be more plastic mm-hmm. and it's bacteria in the clay feed on the organic material and the waste lowers the ph in the water okay yeah and that and that basically includes the clay body but that would might take a year so once you get some clay out of the ground dig it up clean it process it get ready to use it store it for a year mm. like still wet yeah to then go use it again so uh, they probably I don't know I don't understand that. did they do that did they not do that they can't have wrapped it in a plastic Tesco bag <laughs> could they? that's not going to happen so maybe it was just uh, you know you can look at these um, like ancient pots and the, you will see they're kind of pinched um, sometimes kind of pinched to a point and then they've rolled coils and added them on so mm-hmm. obviously just like working with a material okay um, and then the idea that they figured out how to fire them is quite cool yeah. as well I mean obviously just probably built a fire on area where there's some clay and then realised it was right. hard after like yeah. you know the fire's been there for like 10 years or what I don't know yeah 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 um, yeah so it's, yeah I just find it quite a fantastic I th- well it's, I guess if we look at like like development mm. um, of of practice throughout the ages that's when you you know I said before you got um, the wheel being invented 6000 to 4000 BC um, just to be clear this isn't like the wheel that goes on like a car no this is a potter's wheel this right? is a potter's okay. wheel yeah so it's spinning round. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, obviously... <laughs> <laughs> ah, wheel. I didn't discover what to use it for for another <laughs> 10,000 years. Um, yeah, and then... But then you've got... If you look, um, you get to the 5th and 6th century where, like, ceramic moulds were made. Like, now we'd use plaster because oh, it's okay. so much more... Um, it's a much easier material to mm. use with and it's more effective. Um, uh you know, you can cast in plaster. It absorbs the water, yep. dries out the clay. You get a nice. You can, you know, reserve forms in that way. Um, but you know, fifth and sixth century molds were being used, but they were just ceramic. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that became much more common around uh, Roman times. Okay. Um, yeah, and and we, I mean, there's so much like history out there. You can mm-hmm. go through every civilization throughout the ages and see all of their makings in clay mm-hmm. what they did yeah. and learn so much from it which is quite quite fascinating yeah and i think t- talking about the romans they sort of the bronze age kind of preceded the romans but i guess clay clay would have fed into the technologies from the bronze age in so much as you were saying that they made molds and stuff yeah i guess if you were going to cast something out of bronze you'd probably make a clay mold yeah first right so yeah clay technology is probably allowed us to actually to see other other yeah, yeah. technologies as well which is we're cool. making um you know using clay really to make like like furnaces and things like that i mean yeah. that would have been i mean now it's kind of a bit silly because you know a, a ceramic surface is not that great to 
to, to store heat or keep heat right. because it's too dense. There's not enough air pockets in there. So we started to do things like we 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 create bricks that are um, you know they're high in alumina, so they mm. resist the heat. They've got loads of little air pockets. I think they're like kind of made. They're foam made, if mm. you like, um, and, and they work perfectly well. But th- you couldn't just inject bubbles into <laughs> into clay right. like Roman times. So they would have, yeah, they, I, I, you know, their their kilns yeah. um, would have been, you know, would have been basically big domes of clay. Yeah. Um, and then that would have allowed them to, you know, to forge metals and yeah. and uh, and perfect it really because obviously before that they probably just dug a hole in the ground and think melted right. things in. But yeah. Um, as you know, look at the Romans, they're quite quite advanced. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, things must have been casted. Things, you know, and mm. it would, I, I, it would have been, would have come from clay. Amazing, I don't know. <laughs> um, what else should we talk about history? Um, is there any point to talk about the Venus of Dolmi Vesternice? Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, it's good. I only really know it, it dates back to twenty nine thousand to twenty five thousand BCE. So hang on. Okay, so this Venus person. The Venus of Dolmi Vestonice. And this is, it's not now the oldest clay figure, but it was think, until think, they found the tablet. I, th- I, think, is it is, right? I think it's the oldest um, sculpture. Oh, sculpture, okay, yeah. Yeah, so it's um, it, it basically, it's a little, it's quite fascinating, it's a little um, figure of, mm. a, of a lady <laughs> with huge breasts. A sexy a lady. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, um, yeah, it's kind of go through the ages, don't we? We go for, oh, that the big is attractive <laughs> then we go to skinny <laughs> then back to the big then back to skinny but you know the original was, is, yeah. was the, the the big lady but she um, I, th- I think it's probably um, a sculpture for like fertility okay um, but yeah it's a it's a very very old piece of sculpture yeah um, and quite incredible yeah it's beautiful I, I think as well it's quite interesting because it's um, being so old it, it's like and it's it's easy to think of like kind of caveman if you like mm. um, drawings on a wall so you know of, of animals or scenes or things like that but it's like the first kind of three-dimensional um view of something i think that's right. what's really nice about clay's material um yeah it's it's it, it, like i i always kind of think of clay's as just a big sketchbook yeah that's all it is mm. um you can you can kind of mock up anything in clay yeah like, uh, whatever scale really um, and and get somewhere somewhere. So, so, so this little this little statue is quite like it's like it's just basically an early version of that, really, um, mm. which is really quite a beautiful thing, I think. When I did my apprenticeship, I was um, I I did it in Devon. Um, the the lady who I worked with, she she basically was like helping set up and run studio, cool. and um, I had no money, and I was an apprenticeship wage, and there's some really there's two amazing people there, um, Maddie and Phil who ran the place, and um, they just gave you everything, and you just felt terrible Aww. as nice as it was. So we kind of come to a negotiation where like I'd work a day on the land, mm-hmm. and that would give me, you know, my my board if you like. Awesome. Um, and then, which was really cool, so we started... I mean, there have been people there a little bit before us, yeah. um, but this is when the kind of build was finished, if you like, or the restoration of the build. And um, so we had our studio. And it, it, it actually worked out quite nicely because um, I would do, so, like, a day on the land or something like that, and you'd be like, 
digging in clay soil. Mm. <laughs> well, you'd be, di- you'd be digging planting and things like that. Yeah. Uh, but then also there was, um, I think the whole area was like, there's about 26 acres. But I think it might have been 26 acres of woodland and then the land that we were, like a couple of fields that we were, like, would grow on. Um, but like, yeah, and then we'd go do all the forestry work in the fields and stuff like that. But that doing that was like, um, I discovered a few different veins of clay. Mm. Because you know you'll sit down in the middle of the woods and just have your sandwich. Yeah. Um, turn off all the all the equipment. Think about clay. <laughs> Think about clay. <laughs> well, you know you just r- rummage around. You're like, oh my god, there's some clay. <laughs> oh no, it's no. Um, so yeah, so you dig around and then yeah, it was just nice because like there was um, basically like a vein of um, of terracotta. I actually can't remember which way around it would have been. Um, and then like a, a vein of like a white clay as oh, well. Cool. So um, I I dug some little samples and and took it up to me. And then in the studio, I just get literally just pinched a pot together because it's, it's like impossible to work with. Yeah. Like I say it needs it needs time. Um, I did actually throw a pot with the white clay, but it was like throwing with blue tack. <laughs> it just like really <laughs> stretchy and breaks and flops around. It, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And then so we fired them in the in the kilns, which was quite interesting. So the white clay, when I dug it out, was blue. Uh, but it's right on the riverbed, so it's probably just like algae and reflection of light and things right. like that. Um, but that that ended up being like quite a, an interesting, nice white clay body. But there wasn't very much of it; it's quite a thin layer, so it was a bit pointless. And then there was just like endless kind of terracotta, mm. which is you know, if we look at medieval pots, they're all terracotta. Right. So that's just the most common clay in this in this country. Um, and that was really fascinating because it's only supposed to be fired to like eleven hundred. But I I made a little bowl, put a little pinch pot in it just in case it melted and fired it up to 1300 in the in the like with a big oil kiln mm. and it was certified as well but the red clay doesn't it, it, it slightly less silica content so it doesn't tend to um attract the soda so it came out quite metallic and matte but then it wasn't for a few years later that I kept this I kept this little pot and I brought it into the institute of making mm. and I got some super powerful magnets and because all the irons come to the surface and it's gone black put this super powerful magnet to it and the pot just skids away on the table. No way. Because the iron content is so high. Wow. You can like move it around with this big magnet. <laughs> and then also I found like a little um uh like a fresh spring that was popping up oh, yeah. like near where where like our front door was really this sounds just idyllic. <laughs> it's, yeah it's lovely. <laughs> it's a really beautiful place. And they've got lots of like different artists and makers down wow, there. Cool. And it's it's really quite sweet. It's quite hard to leave but then yeah. it was a bit like it's yeah it was a bit of a fake world like mm. everything was lovely everybody was amazing and <laughs> I, I almost need to have some like reality thrown at me um but yeah i, I kind of dug up and found some like natural iron okra um and the, these things i did use for a while it was really nice to use them i mean we were you know burning the wood in the in the wood burning stoves etc we um and uh, i you know keep the ash use the ashes as silica for making glazers That's um, awesome. and then i just used the glazers slips and things like that yeah. um it was it was really it's quite nice and it, it's good because like, i didn't really have my own work then i didn't mm. really know what i what i was making or what i wanted to make yeah and anything i did make was too similar to the person who was teaching me which obviously don't really get you far yeah um so it was quite nice just to just like mess around selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. 
Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. With materials and going like literally back to basics, digging stuff out of the Incredible. ground and yeah. then go from there. It was, it was really nice. That's awesome. If you're a potter, you're not, about 15% of your time is sat on the wheel. Mm. Um in real life, you are advertising, selling, shipping, uh, preparing materials. You've got so much oh, your bloody tax returns and all that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's it's very that time. But um, so when I did my apprenticeship, I, I couldn't really throw, um, but it was a position for um, a good position for Lisa to take me on because it was going to be it's going to be a slow process to get things mm. up and running as in that studio. Um, but she's just like I mean, she's a fantastic maker. Her style of pots is just really beautiful um anybody can nobody ever buys one okay. or if they do they come back a few days later and buy another because they're just they're just really sweet they're yeah. very honest like like beautiful pots and um so she had we had this time um to learn how to make and it was you just sit there and the hardest thing to do when throwing on the wheel is repetition like you can like you know if you if if i did some classes with you you because in, you know not being a predominant thrower i say you've never done it before yeah like by the end of like a few days we'd be throwing a few mugs then we'd go on to bowls mm. we'd make jugs then you could start doing things like teapots things with lids you know you could do it but you won't be able to make two things the same no. that's just like you have to sit down and just do it and i, I you know I, I hadn't been taught how to throw so i just sit down there and just made loads of cylinders all different shapes and sizes then she comes along and she's like that shit, that shit, that shit, that shit. <laughs> um, but the thing that was really good about her, which I, I learned, I do quite a lot of teaching now, is her teaching is, is such a nice style because it's just, she just observes you from a distance so you don't feel pressured. She did at first, she'd stand behind me and I'd be like, I can't do it while you're looking at me. <laughs> Go away. So she'd walk past and she'd see something you're doing and it'd be like, oh, if you just position your hand yeah. here you know it worked better but it won't be like it worked better it's because your hand is then allowing the clay to blend mm. so there's always that little explanation but then she'd just disappear and you'd be like then you'd have a few girls and you're like oh yeah and then you do that bit so that just went on for like a few um i think it's like a month or so mm. but it, 
you know, like learning how to play repetition might take you something like three or four months, mm. but you are there from morning till night right. doing it. It's not like two hours a week yeah. or something like that. Um, it will be quicker for some people, but I wasn't a very quick learner. Mm. And then all of a sudden you're starting to create these pots and they're like the same height, they're pretty much the same shape. Yeah. You're like, oh my God, this is amazing. And it's like, right now, put handles on them. And you're like, oh, <laughs> And it's, that's another process as well because you're using the clay in a very different way. It's right. nothing like throwing. Yeah. Um, so then you go through the whole thing again and you're rubbish at it and everything you make, it looks great until you put a handle on it <laughs> and it's like a bloody rat's tail dangling off it and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, and then, um, and then the final bit really for me was um, I, I pretty much could do it but um, I just faffed around too long. I spent too much time and I was, um, you know, you, you've got something that's fine, but you kind of overwork it and overwork it and mm. overwork it. And that's the worst thing you can do with clay. Because every time you're working with it, you're adding more water, it gets softer, it gets weaker. Yeah, I've definitely experienced that in my yeah. brief time on the pot. <laughs> that kind of, boom. Yeah, and it, yeah it's, it looks good. And then you're like, oh, I'm just going to make it a bit higher. I'm just going to put this little thing on it. Yeah, and then yeah. it just like flies well, off. the most common question. How do I make this bigger? And it's like, well, you've run out of clay. You need more clay. Right. Oh, right. Is that yeah, and it's like, you know, it's common sense when you when you know what you're doing. But yeah. it's, you know. Um, yeah, and then what Lisa did for me was she just, she stuck the clock in front of me. And, um, okay. and it was, um, you know, put the boiler clay on the wheel when the second hand is yeah. at 12. And then take it off the wheel when it's gone round. So like make one a minute. Oh, yeah. So, but it doesn't actually take you that long to get into that. Once you've had that kind of initial kind of push mm. and been able to make, then like all of a sudden you're like, oh my god, I can make one a minute. It's amazing. It must be really nice to have a thing that you can make for other people as gifts. Yeah. So when I, when I first started trying to throw clay in the institute of making, um, I was like, I mean, it was, I don't know, over a year ago now. Um, and my friend's wedding was coming up and I was like, I'm just going to make her a present. <laughs> she had her one year wedding anniversary very recently and I still haven't made her anything <laughs> decent enough to give to her. <laughs> I, like, I feel really I bad. made a plate, it collapsed into a like a sloppy mess and then I fired that and gave it. <laughs> but I painted it blue. <laughs> it's really nice. <laughs> just put like a fancy glaze on it. Yeah. Maybe that's what I should have done. But I just felt like I wanted it to be really nice, obviously, but it turns out I'm just not good enough to I think, do well, that. Well, it's that thing, isn't it? I, like, I, I, one thing I dread about going back up to see my parents is they've got all of the crap I made. <laughs> And some of it is awful. And they're not allowed to throw it away. Nah, and I, I, what I'd do is I'd, I'd like make some pots for them for Christmas or just make some, you know, take something up from them and say, oh, look, look at this, why don't you have one of these and we can get rid of that. Or, oh, no, we're not doing that. Oh, no, we're keep. And then like friends and family come round and they go, oh, this is what Darren made and, and this is like, what oh, he does. God. And and I just think they must be like looking at it thinking, <laughs> how does he get by in life? That's what he makes. Don't you get paid for that, do you? <laughs> oh, interesting. Oh, aren't you lucky? Um, yeah, but you, yeah, I think it's quite wise. If you're going to go and do it for like a career, I should. I probably shouldn't say this, but I would like, after you've bought your wheel, buy a hammer. <laughs> 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 all, all the shit stuff. Just, just smash it and hide yeah. it. Because, um, yeah, I mean, you do look back at like... Um, well-known makers now and you see some of their early pots and they're really good mm. and you're like that's not your first set of pots oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's got to be some crap behind that <laughs> yeah. um but i reckon they invested in a hammer early on right and that's why destroy I the done. evidence yeah, yeah yeah before your mum can get it out of the bin <laughs> bless yeah. parents are very sweet the only other thing i'm i'm interested to ask you about is how what 
do you have any thoughts on sort of the future of ceramics and clays and making and pottery? Like, presumably all of the pots that I have, or like the bowls and plates that I have at home, they weren't made by a person, were they? Well, th- yeah, to an extent. I mean, if you if you buy, say, something from Ikea, the first one would have been crafted. Okay. It might have been designed on a computer, um, but then there still has to be a physical form made. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's still, I mean, you can, yeah, I guess you can use kind of a confusing process to kind of make that original one, but normally you would, they would go to an artist, somebody or a designer, mm-hmm. they would give them something, and then that would go on to be made molds and replicas of. Okay. Um, I do feel like kind of handmade ceramics is is kind of coming back. People are more interested in things that are being made um, rather than just kind of throwaway crap. Mm. Um, which is which is obviously it's like brilliant for me, but I also think it's just great for everybody. I think it's quite a nice um, thing to engage in, and also like you end up with like small communities, and there might be somebody who, you know, makes baskets, makes pots, makes whatever, and people start to buy from them. And it's always going to be more expensive. You cannot mm. match, you know, you can't match industry. You know, you look at, you know, if we if I in the studio buy like a ton of clay. Um, and then you go to Ikea and you find a big bowl for like 98p. I can't find clay for 98p, never mind firing and glaze. But it's because they just go on a huge scale. Mm-hmm. So it's always going to be more expensive, but it's also much nicer to use. Mm-hmm. It depends what kind of person you are. I mean, I could live like a hobbit. <laughs> but some people have these like beautiful crisp flats with all this, you know. Yeah. And that, that's cool. So it depends how it works. But you, I think we, ceramics as a material, um, they're still using, finding different ways to use it. I mean, you know, we've got, they use ceramics as a material for on on spatials coming in and out of earth atmosphere. Yep. Um, teeth, mm-hmm. um, brakes, Formula One cars, they have brakes. Um, they've started to use it in like superconductors because mm-hmm. they can operate them at high temperatures. Whereas I think other superconductors would only work, would work at like sub zero temperatures, but yep. anything a bit higher, they start to break up and not work. Whereas you know, ceramics could work at much higher temperature. Cool. So there's like there's, there's interesting things. I think more things will come out. Yeah, from from like simple clay pots all the way through to like really high tech. Yeah, yeah. Ceramic applications. Yeah. There's massive kind of like variables on it. Yeah. And still, there's more to be discovered. Um, there's um, Sarah Wilkes. I think it's Dr. Sarah Wilkes uh, at the Institute of Making, who's um w- one of the researchers there. She was doing one, I, I was just kind of earwigging, um, but she was um, working with um, a company for tiles for hospitals because even when you've got a super smooth glassy surface, if you would get it under a microscope, there'd be tiny little pockets in there. And all the, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this actually, I'll check with her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But, uh, but with these tiles, all the little, um, all these little holes are the perfect size for bacteria to just okay. sit in yeah. and grow. Mm. Um, so it was looking at, um, working with glaze materials to get change that size of those little holes whether they're bigger or much smaller mm. so then you haven't got basically it's lovely clean hospital but you wa- you've got a wall of bacteria <laughs> um, to get rid of that so there's there's still you know still looking at like kind of development in that rather than just sticking up a big plastic wall right. or you know an expensive copper or silver wall or whatever <laughs> that kills yeah. bacteria yeah, so yeah, yeah. I think it's quite yeah there's I think it, it will. I think it just be something that will be around forever. It'd be lovely to see that we just didn't need plastic anymore and it just disappears. Um, but, and I think that will eventually come to a point where people will try do that. 
Okay. And well, I mean, we are now, aren't we? There's lots of things happening where we're trying to avoid using plastic. There's a big movement towards it at the moment. Yeah. yeah but I think that won't happen for Claire. I no. think it'll always be something that we can use and we will need. As primitive as it was, it's so much advanced now in yeah. the uses of it. Amazing. I think that's a brilliant place to end on. So thank you so much for coming on the show. It's That's been right. really great to talk to you. Yeah. Um, do you do you want to tell the listeners where they can find more of your stuff? I've seen your Instagram, which gets like hundreds of likes all the time. Likes um, and subscribes. Likes and subscribes. <laughs> yeah. Well, where can listeners find more about you? Uh, yeah, I, I try. I did used to keep up with it daily, but things are a little bit tricky at the moment. But I do post quite often on my Instagram account, which is, you just find me at Darren Ellis Pottery. And I also have a website, which there is a link on there as well. Cool. And one day soon, I'll have the collection of pots I can put on there. So, but not right now. But you can look at things that I'm doing. I like to show a process as much as finished objects. So Yeah, I've learned a lot from your Instagram, actually, about glazes and firing temperatures. That's and good. Yeah, not that I can recreate any of it, obviously. Well, I, d- <laughs> I just got to that point where I've started to put up things that aren't working as well. Yeah, because no, you kind of do look as if it's like, oh my god, everything you touch is amazing, <laughs> which uh, is just not true at all. <laughs> There's so much here that gets hidden. Um, but yeah, yeah, if you if you want to take a look, that's where you can find me. Fabulous. All right. Well, thanks a lot again. All right. Thank you. Thanks Yay, for having me. You're very welcome. So that was my chat with the fascinating Darren Ellis. Thanks so much to Darren for coming on the show. Um, There are no materials questions for you this time, partly because I am super stressed out trying to finish my PhD at the moment and also because nobody has sent in any questions, sad face. So in place of any materials questions, I thought I would just tell you about a couple of events that are coming up which you Real Talk fans might be interested in. The first of these is the first ever very exciting materials show off um, at the Star of Kings in London on the 20th of June. So the Science Show-Off series was invented by Dr. Steve Cross, who you will have heard in episode one. Um, This is the first ever materials show-off, so this is super exciting. So it'd be great if you Real Talk fans could come out for that. Um, There's also, if you're interested to hear more about the Institute of Making... They are having a public open day as part of their Festival of Stuff, and that is on Saturday the 8th of July, and that's at the Institute of Making in UCL. For now, I think that's it. So thank you all so much for listening. I've been Anna Podajski. You've been listening to Real Talk, and I look forward to seeing you next time on the show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.